ho, screen speak. It is me, Santa Claus, taking over hosting duties for Jordan. Why do I sound like this and sound like I can't talk? <laughs> okay. Alright, uh, I, you know what, I just went for it. I just went for what Santa Claus sounded like in my mind at this very moment, and that's what came out. So, what are you gonna do? Welcome! <laughs> Welcome to ScreenSpeak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I am very thankful, appreciative, and feeling festive this time of year to have you come by and give this a listen. If you have not done one of these things already, I'm going to go ahead and plug some of the things I'd like you to do for the podcast. So yes, that's right. This is the plug portion of the episode. Uh, Very first thing is I want everyone to hit the follow button on whatever it is that you're listening to this on. Whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you've heard me do this plug a thousand times, or to be more specific, 62. What is this? Is this episode 62? Yeah, episode 62. So this will be the 62nd time I have presumably tried to plug in ScreenSpeak to get you to get the podcast to grow. So come on, let's do this. Hit that follow button. Hit the bell so that you don't miss episodes is the notification to help you see when a new episode is uploaded. There's social media, so if you're interested in any of that, you like social media, you do any of that sort of thing, you can also find ScreenSpeak on there. So please, please definitely check that out. Last but certainly not least, there are some Amazon affiliate links in the description of this episode. Use those links when you are shopping, and it will go ahead and kick back some of the proceeds to help support the growth of ScreenSpeak. So do one or all of those things. If you do all of them, that's awesome. Santa is definitely going to come by and give you something good. And if you don't do it, uh, well, he'll come by and give you some coal, I guess, right? That sounds like it's in line with Christmas time. And speaking of Christmas time, let, let's talk about that, actually. How, how's everybody shaping up for the holidays? Are you good? Is your shopping all done? I, I would certainly hope so, because by the time this episode is up, I mean, it's, it's pretty much Christmas Eve. And in fact, I think this is actually uploading on Christmas Eve. So, uh, yeah, you, you better be done with it at this point. Otherwise, run to your local Dollar Tree or a Dollar General or something and get some last minute crap. And hopefully that, <laughs> hopefully that goes over well for you. Um, okay, so I don't know why I decided to have this be the episode that I share around the holidays. But for whatever reason, the timing of it just worked out. The idea came to me. And I was like, you know what? This will actually make for an interesting episode. Uh, So let's go ahead and just get into it. This episode is all about controversial movie opinions. And I imagine amongst all the listening base that I have and just anybody that watches movies that all of us in our own way has a controversial opinion over a film. And so I thought it would be interesting to just stir the pot a little bit, if you will. I'm not going to try to overly offend anybody or anything like that, but I thought I would just kind of get into what makes a controversial opinion be controversial in the first place, talk about it in the context of movies, and then of course get into what I feel are my own controversial movie opinions and see if maybe you, the ScreenSpeak audience, would maybe think the same or or not. You know, so I might make some friends on this episode or I might make some enemies. Who knows? People might unfollow me after hearing some of these opinions of mine. We really don't know what's going to happen until, you know, it just happens. So let's go ahead and just get started. So the very first thing I like to do before getting into a subject is just defining the word itself, right? So what, what does controversial really mean? Really mean. So according to the Oxford Dictionary, controversial means giving rise or to give rise to public disagreement. I'm sure there's a few other uh, uh, definitions of it out there somewhere, but that's the most basic one I could find. So again, that's giving rise or to give rise to public disagreement. Now, one thing I think that's interesting to point out here is that if you are not putting your controversial opinion out there in the public, does does it really make it a controversial opinion? Because think about it. It's only really controversial if there is an audience that it's going to affect. So maybe if it's in like a one-on-one setting, it it might have more of a personal effect, but it's not going to have such a widespread um, effect, and in some cases, even a dangerous effect, uh, just depending on what the subject matter is of the controversial opinion. But I just just think that's an interesting notion to point out here. Um, 
also talking about controversial opinions is talking about what exactly makes an opinion be controversial. I think it's a couple of things. I think first, the person has to feel very, very strongly about it, or in other words, they need to feel some passion towards the subject, right? Uh, Because that's where a lot of the the energy of an opinion comes from, especially with how vocal someone chooses to be about it, is usually based off of how strongly they feel about it. So there's that. Uh, I would also say it's going to divide people, right? Because if it's an opinion that a large enough portion of people would not agree with, it's going to cause there to be some opposing opinions on the subject. So it's got to divide people. Everybody can't just agree with you on it. And I would also say to the person that's receiving, on the receiving end of a controversial opinion, is it would need to be thought-provoking in some way and also challenge you as a listener and and even challenge your own beliefs uh, that you might have, your own values, depending, again, all in the context of what this opinion is. But even in movies, I find that some of these opinions that I'm going to go over really get some strong reactions out of people. Uh, at least in my own social circles. So we'll, we'll see if this does the same thing to you. But what the hell? I, I'll stir the pot a little bit and just see what happens. Um, <clears throat> you know, wh- one more question, though, before I get to my own controversial movie opinions is I want to I want to I want to talk about this question here. Uh, this is just one I kind of came up with when I was prepping this episode. And that's Is a controversial opinion the same thing as an unpopular opinion? Like, do are are they one and the same, or does one mean something else? I had to think about this one a little bit because controversial. When I hear that word, it means that a number of people are probably offended on some level from the opinion. Whereas unpopular, I just think it's not necessarily offensive in nature as far as an opinion goes, but it's just not one that is as widely uh, believed on as maybe, you know, something else, a a more mainstream opinion, if you will. So I don't know if they are necessarily exactly the same thing. I just think controversial is only really reserved for if it's going to cause uh, an emotional reaction out of the people or peoples, the audience that is, is taking it in. Whereas unpopular is just that. It's just, it's not really offensive. It's just not a belief or an opinion that's really held by a, by a large group of people. So I think it's important to lay out all those distinctions and, and that meaning of it all uh, before getting into this. So <clears throat> now for my own controversial movie opinions. Now, this is Christmas time, so I did think it was fitting to start with two controversial movie opinions I have that, I don't know why, every time I bring it up, I feel like I'm in the minority, or uh, just don't really feel like people totally get where I'm coming from on this, so we'll, we'll see if this helps. Uh, let's start easy on this first one. So the first controversial movie opinion I have is on the movie Lethal Weapon, Okay. Now don't, now, don't get me wrong. I, I love Lethal Weapon. Uh, it's honestly probably a top 10 movie of mine if I had to pick, just for personal reasons more so than anything else. I uh, love Mel Gibson, love Danny Glover, love Shane Black's writing, um, love Richard Donner's direction, love all of it. But there is something to take away from this movie that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, and that's the time period that this movie takes place in. And I don't just mean the 1980s or even late 1980s. I'm talking about Christmas time, right? Christmas time. Why is it that Lethal Weapon is never really thrown into that action movie Christmas discussion? This is, of course, always reserved for Die Hard, right? And again, this is nothing against Die Hard. I really like that movie. In fact, one time, uh, sometime in the future, I should probably do a podcast on that. It'd be great to talk about. But I feel like Lethal Weapon always, for some reason, gets overlooked when it comes to calling it a Christmas movie. Uh, the bulk of the film takes place right around Christmas time. There are Christmas trees. There's Christmas lights. At one point, they even incorporate it in uh, in the third act of the movie before Gary Busey rams, or no, Gary Busey doesn't ram the car in. Uh, I think he he breaks into Danny Glover's house and then they. Uh, drive a car into the Christmas tree and there's like an ornament or something that has like a haha you're too late asshole something like that it's been a minute since I've seen it but I know there's a scene like that but it takes place completely during the Christmas season so why the hell is this not 
being argued amongst it so much, whereas Die Hard always is. I just don't get it. So I just think that Lethal Weapon should be thrown into that action movie conversation because it's just like the same argument you could make for Die Hard. It's an action movie and it takes place and incorporates holiday elements from the Christmas season. So that is the first opinion. Now, this next one, this is probably going to be one that really... I would think would be considered controversial because every time I mention it around uh, people that really enjoy this one, it never goes over too well. And that's about the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. So I saw the movie Elf with Will Ferrell right when it came out, which I believe was around Christmas time. Let me go ahead and take a look here. Elf release date. Yeah, so it came out November 7th of 2003. I remember it very vividly. I saw it in theaters with my mom and one of her best friends, and I think my two brothers with, uh, were with me, I want to say. And I didn't really have any expectation going into the movie, but I, I watched it, and I left it just kind of being like, eh, that was, that was okay. I didn't really love it, and I didn't hate it. I just kind of thought it had its moments here and there, but it didn't really take anything to me like it it didn't really I didn't really take anything away from it it just felt kind of disposable and Will Ferrell acting like a man child for an hour and a half okay so then over the years what ended up happening with this one is I feel like it actually in in many people's eyes I do think I'm in the minority on this a lot of people will view this movie as a holiday classic they say it's a Christmas movie it's like a Christmas classic they put it in the likes with like how the Grinch stole Christmas and Christmas vacation and a Christmas story uh, the list goes on but they throw elf in there and I, I I could not disagree more with that notion that elf is a classic Christmas movie and again I'm not trying to say that this movie is the worst thing that's ever come out it's not there are far worse movies I've seen that uh, are, are far shittier than Elf, okay? I'll just be frank. But <clears throat> Elf is just not that good. I just don't think it's that good, and I really don't think it should be considered to be a Christmas classic or a very good movie for that matter. Now, I'll also say, to be fair, now 2003 was a while ago, right? It's It's been a while, okay? Anybody could say that they saw a movie from however long ago that was. I mean, let let me pull up a calculator. Yes, I'm pulling up a calculator because my mental math is uh, quite terrible when it comes to these things. So let's see. Yeah, this movie came out 19 years ago, okay? 19 years ago. If I had only seen it once and said it was crap and that it shouldn't be a classic, well, I, I don't think I would necessarily take my opinion all too seriously. But I gave it a shot. I gave it multiple other shots, I should say. Uh, I think in the last three years, I revisited the movie again because I wanted to see if maybe my opinion was just skewed because of time, right? Uh, Too much time has passed, and and perhaps now with older eyes, I can watch this and maybe appreciate things I missed the first time. Well, that didn't happen. I rewatched it about three years ago, and then I think even within the last uh, two years, I rewatched it again. So I've seen this movie a total of three times, I think. And each time, I had pretty much the same reaction I had as before. Eh, Will Ferrell gave it his all. I like Will Ferrell overall, but I don't think this is his strongest movie. I like James Caan, may he rest in peace, uh, does does a good job as, as playing the, the grumpy businessman dad, uh, but I, there's just nothing in this movie to me that, that really stands the test of time compared to any other holiday movie that, again, this is all opinion, uh, I think is exceptionally better than Elf, but hey, I don't want to. I don't want to completely be disrespectful to the audience out there that likes this movie. If you like this movie, super duper, super freaking duper. I am ecstatic for you. But this is not a movie that I think is very good, and I don't think it's a Christmas classic. Okay, moving on. This one, ooh, this one particularly grinds my gears a little bit. You know, that really grinds my gears. Uh, And it's around the subject of original movies. So something I hear a lot, uh, being just a person that pays attention to the world of movies, I follow other content creators that do this sort of thing that I'm doing. Uh, I'm a big advocate of it myself. I watch a lot of it. And I have friends, you know? Yeah, yes. Shockingly enough, the, the guy that talks on the podcast does have friends that also <laughs> that also like movies. But 
I hear this comment a lot, and, and, and here's what it is. I hear people say this. Oh, man, there's nothing original that ever gets made. Hollywood sucks. They're, they're out of ideas. All they see are remakes. Just It's an amalgamation of comments like that. And I'm not going to say that I don't get where it's coming from, because in certain cases, I've seen remakes in my time that didn't need to be there. Um, let me let me look up some just off the top. I, I know one one that actually does come to mind before I look this up is the Point Break remake. I think that was like in 20, was that 2013 or 2015? Yeah, that, that didn't need to exist and it is terrible. Uh, let me see, terrible remakes. <clears throat> Uh, okay, so there's a, a few different lists, a uh, list of different ones here. Um, I, I don't know if it's a remake, but that, you know, that Willy Wonka, Johnny Depp movie, that, that didn't really need to exist. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, they did a remake with of Total Recall with Colin Farrell. Not, honestly, the worst uh, remake in the world, but, again, not really particularly needed. Uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of Will Farrell, I forgot that they did a remake of the... or. Is it really a remake to say they took a TV series and turned it into a movie? I don't know if that's true. Uh, let's see. Let me find another one that is not a good remake. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot they did a Charlie's Angels movie. I never actually saw that. Uh, let's see. One more. Oh, well, they did try to reboot Ghostbusters with the all-female-led cast. I, you know, Most of us know how that went down. Uh, one more. One more, because I want like a really blatant example of a bad remake. Oh, uh, Old Boy, the Spike Lee's Old Boy with Josh Brolin, definitely uh, didn't really need to exist. But in any case, my my point with all that is that I understand where people's kind of notion for that viewpoint comes from, but I couldn't disagree with it more because I see original movies all the time. Okay, well, there's a lot of original movies out there, they just don't always necessarily come from the most mainstream of studios being like a Paramount or Warner Brothers or Universal, uh, places like that. Uh, I'd say probably one of the more uh, studios that's accelerating at putting out original content is A24. Um, and, and for better or worse on that, doesn't just mean like because the A24 logo is there, that's necessarily going to be gold. But I can tell you just off the top that they do have some really solid original content uh, that people should definitely go out and support more. So let me, I'm just pulling up a list here. So again, back what I'm saying. Let's see. List of A24 films that are original. Let's see. <clears throat> okay. So I'm trying, no, I want to see like the actual, actual images. Okay. So everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I actually watched that movie recently. I can tell you it's original. There ain't anything else like it out there. That's absolutely an original movie. Um, let's see. Midsummer. That's, that's a really, really freaky horror movie. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's a that's a really dark, darkly twisted movie. Uncut Gems, another original movie. Ex Machina, The Lighthouse. Uh, let me name a couple more here from A24. Uh, you got Enemy, the one of Deli, uh, Denny Villeneuve's earlier movies with Jake Gyllenhaal. Hell, Moonlight, mid '90s. Uh, Swiss Army Man, uh, uh, one more, because I got to do it. A Good Time, that's another Safdie Brothers film. All those are original, okay? They're all original, but the people that bitch about this the most are not actually going out of their way to go and support it in a theater or even trying to look it up on a streaming platform. They just get more comfortable watching the same existing IP that they've seen 10,000 times, uh, and they just don't want to try something new. And I realize I'm generalizing a bit here because I don't think that every single person out there is clearly like this, but it just, it just gets under my skin a little bit because I see people putting out content. I see artists taking chances and releasing different stuff, but I just don't see a lot of people that actually will get out of their way to support it, not only with their mouth, but more importantly with their wallet, because that's what actually gets these movies to get made. So don't tell me that there's not original movies out there. There are. You just sometimes have to do a bit of extra work because if you haven't figured it out already, most major studios are not going to shell like a $200 million paycheck over to some first-time director that has a great concept for a movie that isn't proven, okay? 
anybody that ends up coming up with eventually usually a really great original movie that does have some money behind it they prove themselves already. They had to go through the indie circuit. They had to make lower budget movies, work with lesser known casts, put it out there uh, in different ways to get creative with the distribution models. But eventually it does happen, but it all starts with the fans that have to actually get out of their way, uh, go out of their way, I should say, and support this stuff. You got to actually go out there and support it and spread it around. You got to spread it around, whether it's your social media, you talk about it in your circles, but you got to do your part to make original content happen. It just isn't going to come out of thin air, okay? So anyways, that, that, that's my rant about all that. It's just Just don't tell me that there's not any any original movies out there there is they just don't always get the spotlight as some of the more uh you know financially well produced uh, or existing ip which means intellectual property uh, that's more known about commonly such as like a uh, let's see a ghostbusters uh, james bond harry potter fran- franchise stuff right okay <clears throat> and speaking of that this comes. This leads us to our next controversial opinion that I have. Not everything needs to be a franchise, okay? Fast and Furious does not need to go on for 30 movies, okay? There, I said it. Uh, now, I will say just on the subject of Fast and Furious, I like Fast and Furious. I do. I own, well, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. I think I stopped there because at that point, they're, they're, they kind of turned into a joke. But... <clears throat> I say this because I sometimes think that there's studios and executives that that's one of their notions is, you know, they want to turn things into a franchise because it means stability uh, for their studio. They can make a lot of money off of it and they don't have to take as many chances and have to work as hard uh, to create a world in a film. Okay. And again, I think I say this a couple of times. I'm not shitting on all franchises. Some franchises are great. Okay. Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, you want to call that a franchise now? Uh, let's see. I guess Lethal Weapon, you could call that because they say they're going to have Lethal Weapon 5 with uh, Mel Gibson starring and directing in it. Uh, you know, you got the Bourne movies, uh, all the Marvel stuff. I mean, you, you get it. There's a lot of good franchises out there, but I just don't think everything needs to be a franchise. And to further elaborate on this controversial opinion, it leads me to, I'd say, the second half of it, which is if a character or a story needs to come to a true end, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We want that to happen. I don't want to see stuff just continue to go on and on and on and have different directors take a stab at it because eventually it will lose what made it special in the first place, okay? Sometimes it's just good to leave well enough alone, all right? And and that applies for a single film, and it also applies for things that were designed to be a trilogy, but then they got touched again, okay? Uh, let me think of some examples that would qualify for this. Um, you know, this is probably a good one, but the Bourne movies. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. The Bourne Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum, that is a great trilogy of movies, okay? They really could have just stopped it there, and we would have been fine. But what do they do? They've realized that they make a lot of money off of it. Bourne kind of is a name as far as action movies go, and they made The Bourne Legacy, which is eh. And then they even made uh, Matt Damon come back for another one called Jason Bourne, which is also eh. Not really particularly that great or really even uh, needed. Um, let me think of another couple that would fit under this. Well, sadly, I think the Alien franchise has been in disarray for a while. Uh, I love the first one, love the second one. I have a podcast on that, or early podcast episode, I should say, with my older brother on that, if you want to go back and give that a listen. Uh, but then they started just making bad, bad sequels to it. You had Alien 3. Uh, Alien 4, The Resurrection, I, I think most people act like that doesn't even exist. Um, you know, even there's there's some hate on Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I'm not going to say they're perfect movies, but I, I can get where some of that negativity comes from, and yet they keep it going. Oh, uh, another, uh, another I, I, it pains me to even say a good one that, that further illustrates the point, but the Terminator movies, right? T1, great. T2, even better fantastic t3 eh. 
And then they just haven't been able to figure it out since. They got Terminator Salvation. It fumbles along, has some good concept, but is ultimately a fumble. You have Terminator Genesis and then Terminator Dark Shit. And both those are damn near unwatchable, in my opinion. So it's, I don't know. They, they, and then there's talk right now that they're supposedly going to do yet another reboot of it. Um, I just, I, d- I don't know. I just think sometimes it's like, just let something die. Just let something end. Uh, it actually concerns me a little bit on the Marvel side of things when I think about this, because I feel like right now, the a lot of the latest Marvel movies, they're just kind of, they're there. And they're entertaining, but I don't really necessarily feel like anybody's in real, any real danger. And I think that's because they have the the multiverse concept. And so I just know that if someone dies, whatever, there's going to be, you know, five other versions of them floating out there in the universe somewhere. You can always bring them in, time travel it up, loop it up, stitch it up, fix it. I, You know, they could just do all these things and it just kind of deflates any real stake or weight to a story. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think sometimes things just need to end. Uh, it's, it's quality, not always about quantity people. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's see. I got another one here. This one, this one, I think some, some of the more hardcore film people out there, they, they might agree with me on this. Uh, but I just think for the mass mainstream, uh, mainstream people out there, I, I might need to do a bit of a history lesson for this one. And here is the opinion. Nicolas Cage is a really good actor and still is a really good actor. All right. Now hear me out here. I'm not going to deny over the last probably 20, even longer years, Nicolas Cage has put out some shit. Uh, I'll say it. he has put out some crap on a stick. Like he went into a bathroom pooped on a stick and, and turned it into the studio for his next movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I do love the guy, but I ain't going to act like he has never produced crap. Uh, he has definitely some stinkers in his resume, but I just think that with the amount of them that has occurred in many, many recent years, we forget sometimes that he has taken a lot of chances in his career. And he has also, had some really big hits like like home run big 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 hit movies so let's go let's uh you know what instead of instead of starting back i think it'd be easy to just go like all the way back to his filmography let's go ahead and start where we're currently at and focus on some of the good cage movies that people should be talking about and and then we'll work our way backward to the real to the real heavy hitter ones when i would say he was definitely in the prime of his career Okay, so uh, just this year, he he was pretty solid in the movie where he's playing himself, which is the unbearable weight of massive talent. I don't think the movie itself is as good as I wanted it to be. I think it did a lot of fun things, poking fun at some of the things that Nicolas Cage gets made fun of for in his career of late. Uh, But I also thought it was uh, it was a nice Nice movie on his part. He was fun to watch in it. And I would actually probably watch that movie on a rainy day and get some enjoyment out of it. Also, he was very good in the movie Pig. That was in 2021. I think that's actually, gosh, is that episode one or two? Let me let me bring up my Spotify here. I know the movie Pig was one of the first episodes I talked about that I had a guest on for. Hang on, just bringing up screen speak because apparently I can't remember anything Let's see. Uh, yeah, Pig was episode two of Screenspeak. Gosh. So, yeah, you want to go back and listen to episode two? I'll talk all about Pig. But that that was a really good movie. Different movie, too, for him. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, I admit I'm looking at some stinkers right now. He was he was good uh, in as far as an ensemble goes in the animated Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which... I can hear some of you out there being like, well, does that really count, Jordan? Because that, you know, he's just a voice in that movie. The animators do most of the work for him. All right. Fair enough. Fair point. But let's keep going. Uh, I know a lot of people liked him in Mandy. I'm not going to say that I really, you know, love the movie, but I did like what Cage did in that movie. Uh, Let's see. He had a brief part in Joseph Gordon-Levitt's movie Snowden from 2016. 
Uh, let's see, a couple more stinkers here. Joe, uh, that was a definitely a really solid movie. I actually enjoyed him in The Frozen Ground with John Cusack. And let's see, Kick-Ass in 2010. He was, I, I thought he was one of the best parts of that movie, for sure. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, now I'm getting back into what I would consider prime, prime Nick Cage territory here, which is around 2005. That's, I think, when he was really riding high as far as uh, acting-wise and the and the projects he was getting involved with. And then after that, I admit, it's it's kind of hit and miss, but there are still some hits. But here, here's the good ones. The Weatherman. I really need to do a, a podcast on this movie. It's directed by Gore Verbinski, interestingly enough. Uh, that's the guy who did uh, the first three parts of the Caribbean movies. He did The Ring. He's a very good director, and I think it's a great dark comedy, uh, dark dramedy, if you will, with Nicolas Cage that does not nearly get enough love, and it's a it's a really terrific movie. Lord of War, I've talked about that on the podcast. National Treasure, I mean, Matchstick Men, which, uh, God, have I talked about Matchstick Men yet? Oh, shoot. You know, I, I, if I haven't talked about it, I, th- I think I may have to add that one to the list. That's a top, top-tier con, con artist movie. Uh, he's fantastic in adaptation. Even Wind Talkers, he's pretty good in. I like Gone in 60 Seconds, the remake there. It's great. He worked with Scorsese in Bringing Out the Dead, 8mm. I mean, oh, shit. I mean, you got City of Angels, Face Off, Con Air, The Rock. I mean, look at all that. Look at all that. I mean, I, I, get, I get it. I grant you. It was a long time ago that these movies came out, but you can't take that away from the guy. They're so good. Um, and then even going back further, we got leaving Las Vegas, you know, the movie that he did win an Oscar for. Let's not forget that, uh, wild at heart. Uh, that that's a really early one. And then if we get really, really back into his career, uh, probably his best ones, you got raising Arizona, uh, in some respects, vampires kiss, even though I'd call that more of a comedy, you got moonstruck, uh, and even, even his really early work in birdie, uh, that, that was with Matthew Modine. That movie doesn't get enough love either. So all of that alone, and I didn't even say some of the other movies there, like, let, let's not forget this about this guy. Okay. He is a talented actor and he does take a lot of chances. He swings for the fences when he puts himself out there. And, and I do believe in most any movie that he does, he is, he's giving it, he, he's bringing it, bringing it for better or worse. Uh, so I just, I don't like it when people just try to dismiss him because he makes some questionable movies and some even arguably shitty movies. It's like the, the guy's done some great stuff and it's like, I, like, have, what have you done? Have you been in Con Air? Were you in Con Air? Damn it. Did you put the bunny back in the box? Uh, uh, okay. I got, I got to calm down here. <clears throat> now this next one, I don't think is as, as controversial anyway, because I, I don't think this movie really struck a chord with a lot of people, so it's not very divisive as far as films go. But <clears throat> I think it's underrated. And that's the movie Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I really think that movie should have gotten a lot more love than it did when it was released. And even years later, I just don't know how many people look back on that movie fondly and and see it for what it is, which is a really solid, uh, fun science fiction, comedy, romance, uh, adventure. I think there's a lot of great elements in it. Now <clears throat> I will admit this. Okay. I will. I've never read the book. Okay. There I said it. All right. So I'm only judging this movie based on the movie. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm sure that's partly why I get into the, uh, into the minority on this is because the book that it was based on, which is of the same title. I know it's a very popular book, especially in the science fiction nerd community, if you will. Uh, I know it's very popular, and I did hear that there were a a number of people, devout fans of the book, that said that it took uh, a lot of creative liberties, as really any movie that's based off of a book does, but that they did things that they didn't agree with, I guess. But If I'm not mistaken, I think the movie itself was either produced or or even helped or I think even the original author helped write the thing. So let me let me take a look at this. So this movie came out in 2005. Let me see who wrote it. Uh, No, I'm 
trying to okay the book is by douglas adams that's i couldn't think of the author for that all right let me just pull it up on imdb okay so the book is by douglas adams I, i gotta look at the full yeah i gotta look at the full credits here all cast and crew let me look at this Okay, yeah, so it's based off Douglas Adams' book, and he also did assist with the screenplay of the book. Let let me see if he produced it as well. Yeah, and and he also, oh, actually, hmm, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm learning stuff about this as I'm looking at it, too. I was about to say that he produced the movie, but IMDb tells me that it was a posthumous or posthumous you know, when someone is dead and they still get credit for something. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I, I Let me backpedal a little here. So according to the interwebs, he died in 2001. Douglas Adams did. So I wonder if he, because it says that the screenplay was by him and uh, Carrie Kirkpatrick. Okay. See, this is interesting to me because... Now I wonder if he worked on the movie before he died or if they are just crediting him with the screenplay because they took heavily from the book. Hmm. Let me, okay. I got to figure this out. You know, nothing like figuring out something while I'm doing a podcast. All right, let's see. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Douglas Adams screenplay let's let's see here if i can find this quick if i can't you know i'll, I'll drop it and just figure it out in my own time but let's see <clears throat> okay website is loading oh okay interesting so i came to a website and it actually is showing me an earlier version of the screenplay that was revised in or drafted in 1987 oh interesting this actually would probably be really interesting to read. Like, it's like a legit scan of the, of the PDF. Huh, I'm just, I'm just looking at this right now and seeing if any of this looks familiar. Okay. All right, well, let me go back here. That's not quite solving the question. Um, let, me, let me maybe look at it this way. Who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie? Okay. <clears throat> so, all right, I guess we're going to rely on Wikipedia. And if Wikipedia can't solve it, then I'm going to keep going. So according to Wikipedia, it's saying that The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a 2005 science fiction comedy film directed by Garth Jennings based upon previous works in the media franchise of the same name that was created by Douglas Adams. Yep, I already knew that. Okay, here's the part I wanted to know. Okay, so Adams, Douglas Adams, co-wrote the screenplay with Carrie Kirkpatrick but died in 2001 before production began and the film was dedicated to him. Oh, okay. And it's it's even saying here that the film did receive positive reviews from critics and grossed over $100 worldwide, but that's not really a, a hit number to me when it comes to science fiction movies. Hmm. But anyways... <clears throat> I mean, I guess it has a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, 65% audience score, but I, I think it needs to, I think it needs to be higher than that. I don't know why. I just, I don't think this movie like necessarily made a dent in the pop culture, um, zeitgeist of things when it comes to movies. And I just think this movie's terrific. I love its imagination. I love how they wear their bathrobes and towels everywhere. Uh, I liked the... I like the tonal shifts that the movie takes and it never, nothing really feels too abrupt to me. Like it can be funny. It can be serious. It can be kind of goofy and and scary uh, and fantastical. I think it, it blends these different genres together quite well. Uh, And it's, it's just a, it's a really terrific movie. I think it's a really terrific movie. I I always wish that they had made a second one because I know there's more than one book in that franchise. Uh, But I don't know if, if it ever got released on 4k, uh, I would absolutely buy it, but I just think it's a movie that should get more love, uh, and should be talked about a little bit more. So there you go. All right. Last controversial movie opinion that I have, at least for now, maybe I'll do a second one of these episodes. If this one does well enough, here it goes. So I see this sometimes, uh, when a trailer for a movie like this comes out or from some, 
Hollywood publications like Variety or the Hollywood Reporter, things like that. And that's that. And that's this opinion of a person that gets cast in a role playing an overweight, obese person, or someone that's being cast to play someone that is gay uh, or transgendered, or, or even disabled, uh, or you know, physically disabled, mentally disabled. That they should not be. Uh, that's not responsible for them to play those parts and that they should be given to people that are in uh, either that particular community uh, or somebody that actually is that. Okay. So this one's a little tricky to unpack. There's a lot more nuance to this one, I think, than some of the other ones that you could just argue for better or worse if one is correct or not. This one's got some gray to it, at least I think. Now, my opinion on this is that a person that you know, you know. Let, let, let's take a look at this this new movie from Darren Aronofsky that's that's out now, The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, his health has declined, so to speak. Uh, he's not in that George of the Jungle shape like he was earlier on uh, in his career. Um, he is playing a very obese, a morbidly obese person in this movie that Darren Aronofsky uh, did uh, with uh, was it Samuel Samuel Hunter, I think. Let me, let me figure this out. Uh, the whale. Let's see. Because I know it's based off a of play. So yeah, Samuel Hunter's play. It's based off that. Brendan Fraser is a little bit larger uh, at this stage in his life, but he's not that large. So there's definitely like a, like a fat suit or a body suit, whatever you want to call it. And he's playing a, a large, heavy set person. <sighs> this is my take on this. I don't think that an actor does need to be any one of those things. I think that's part of their job. It's what makes them an actor. It also is what makes it interesting to watch somebody do it is to see how convincingly they can pull it off. Because it's not to say that you can't do responsible casting. Like, like for instance, if, you know, I, Jordan was making a movie about slavery and, you know, it's going to take place in like the deep South and I didn't use any, african-american people well that would not really be responsible of me would it or really historically accurate so that doesn't really quite work um but then it's like if somebody is an actor that's playing someone that's heavier set i mean they can do a lot of things to achieve that they can go like super method and just eat a bunch and, and get really big uh, there's there's brilliant makeup artists that that do this kind of work um people that are in the costume departments that can, can make these types of movie magic moments happen uh, and make someone disappear. Uh, kind of like, like Gary Oldman did when he played Winston Churchill. Uh, I, I thought that was, that was great use of, of makeup uh, effects there. And, and I, I didn't feel like it was an insult to the character or anything like that. <clears throat> so I certainly think actors have their, they're within their rights to do that. Now, I just think it's more so on the director or the writer to be morally ethical with how they depict it. Uh, and also just, you know, I, I, well, I, not just how they depict it, how it's written, the story. You know, does it, does it serve the story ultimately by doing that? Because if it's going to be like a really big distraction and just su- super take away from what the real raw subject matter is trying to get at, then I, I wouldn't want that either. But I don't think that it's offensive to have somebody do that. Okay. I mean, I've seen like, if we're talking about like the, you know, on, on the subject of, of gay homosexual, uh, there's plenty of actors I've seen that have done a good job convincingly of doing that. Um, I think the one that comes to mind for me and probably a lot of other people is like Brokeback Mountain, Jake Gyllenhaal and, and the late great Heath Ledger. I mean, they, played that love story brilliantly and and to me it didn't even actually matter that they that they were gay in the movie it was just a really good love story um you know but those two actors are they're not they're not gay they don't identify that way as as far as i know and i don't think it was offensive for them to do that i think they had the talent to do it if you can find somebody that happens to fit the criteria you know, if they are a, a disabled person and they're comfortable being on a camera and they can act, well, then sure, like let like let them do it. If it's more authentic and it makes the part be uh, again just more effective and it makes it work better as a film, then sure, go ahead and do that. But don't try and tell me that you know Brendan Fraser again. I'm going back to him just because it's recent. 
isn't allowed to play a heavier set person because he himself is not heavier set. It's like, like, give me a break, okay? If you can find someone that fits the mold better and is going to do a better job that actually is that, then by all means do it. But ultimately, it's a team effort. It's up to the director. It's up to the casting director. It's up to a lot of different people to make that decision. And one way or another, if there's artistic merit behind it and it serves the story, I don't think it should be a problem. So there you go. Those uh, are my controversial opinions on that subject I found because, again, when I mention any of these, uh, you know, in recent years, previous years, like the Elf one, I've been getting shit for, you know, not liking Elf for a long time. Uh, you know, these are just some controversial movie opinions I have, and now they're out there. They're out there for you in the ScreenSpeak community. <clears throat> but let me say this. Let me say this as I as I kind of switch gears and and talk a bit more about how you handle controversial movie opinions or just controversial opinions for that matter opinions can change okay just because i'm saying all this in this episode right now doesn't mean a year from now five years from now ten years from now i might not have a different opinion on anything i just said you know opinions change they shouldn't they shouldn't ever be too set that's what that's what makes them just an opinion now if it's a belief uh, or if it's a, a moral value, something like that, that should probably have a bit more uh, stability to it. It shouldn't really be so loosey-goosey as far as changing. But opinions can change, and, and people change their opinions as they grow. So I just don't want anything taken out of context for any of the things I say uh, on this episode, which I would still argue is really not all that terribly offensive compared to some of the other opinions that I see out there. But <clears throat> I just think that's important to know. Just know that, that people's opinions are, are capable of changing. That just because someone believes or has a certain perspective on something doesn't mean it's impossible to have that be different over time. Okay? So benefit of the doubt, people. Just sometimes give the benefit of the doubt. Now, the next thing that I wanted to kind of shift gears over to is talking about what happens if you do have a controversial opinion. Uh, especially a controversial movie opinion, okay? Now, this is this is different, <clears throat> or excuse me. Now, there's a handful of different ways that you can approach doing this. Now, if you know kind of going into a conversation with uh, an individual or a group of people and you know within certainty that your opinion's probably going to ruffle some feathers, you got to prep for that, right? Or you'll at least get better at anticipating it because you'll only know by doing. You'll, you'll say it enough times. You'll get the same reaction. You're like, oh, okay, I have an opinion that people, uh, a number of people do not agree with. Okay. So I think it's, you have to know your audience when you're going into stating an opinion about something, or at least try your best to have a, a general understanding of it. <clears throat> now, I also think you got to stand your ground, right? You, you know, you can't just be, uh, wishy-washy about it. I mean, it's not to say again that an opinion can't change, but you shouldn't just change it at the drop of a hat. Your opinion should be an opinion because you actually gave it some thought. You gave it some time. Uh, you even tested constructive criticism against it to see if it would waver and, and you still have it. So there are things that an opinion needs to kind of be subjected to before it can really stick and, and be something that you can stand behind with real confidence, right? <clears throat> So I think you got you to gotta stand by your opinions when you're going to present them. Otherwise, people will just walk all over you and they completely will dis be dismissive of you because they don't think that you have assertiveness in your own voice and that you don't really believe what you're saying. Okay, so you got you to gotta have that when you're talking. <clears throat> so for myself, if I'm in a situation where I'm going to be stating a controversial opinion or I think it's going to be considered or perceived that way, I, I do a few things. First... I usually try to think well before actually speaking, so that kind of goes to knowing the audience, um, you know, kind of gauging general reaction and making sure that I keep my head above water and that I don't let my own emotions or the other people's emotions really sway what I'm going to say too much. <clears throat> I also uh, like to use I statements when I talk about this stuff. Um, in other words, I don't really like to generalize and say like, well, like, you know, these people here or Hollywood this or, you know, that I, I try to keep things very specific to I because it's an opinion and it's my opinion. It doesn't make it fact. It just means that I feel a certain way about something and I have my reasons for doing so. So it's usually helpful when I say words or phrases like, in my opinion, I think, 
my impression on this is, or I would say, that makes it all very clearly just what I think about this, as opposed to me trying to state that what I'm saying is fact, and that what you're saying or going to say is not. That's not good. That's not going to lead to a healthy dialogue. Uh, I also like to be as well-versed within reason as I can about a movie if I'm going to have a discussion with someone that I know is probably going to disagree with me. Now, it's not going to say that every time I walk into a, a, a movie argument or something like that, that I'm going to be able to research that other person's opinion super well. Uh, that's something that only time and resources always going to allow you to do, okay? So I don't always have the luxury to do that, but I... I guess I would consider myself to be fairly astute uh, when it comes to my knowledge of movies and whatnot. So most of the time, if I have an opinion on something, it is usually based around some, uh, you know, some fairly, fairly reasonable, uh, well, what am I trying to say? Reasonable elements or there's reasonable aspects of the argument there. It's not just uh, whimsy or flimsy. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, <clears throat> so I try to know what I, I, I try to know my stuff basically, right? Because if you're going to say an opinion, you need to be able to back up why your opinion is your opinion. You can't, you don't just, you don't just want to say, well, I just, you know, I just feel that way, man. Like, oh, I just, I don't like it. Like, no, you like, you need to be, you need to be specific. Okay. I also think too, and this is just, this is just kind of general conversation one-on-one. It's just, you got to be polite, right? You have to be polite. You need to be civil and I think most importantly, you, you should be sincere and genuine with the opinion that you bring to the table on a movie, uh, especially if it's one that you know you're going to have to defend. Uh, defend it sincerely. I mean, don't try to attack the person's viewpoint on it or make them you know, feel belittled because they don't share that same opinion with you on a movie. Uh, respect their opinion, respect their opinion, uh, listen to it. You know, if they're giving you the time, especially to kind of go on a soapbox and just really rant about it, you should be open to hearing them do the exact same thing and not rushing to get them to be quiet or think of the, of the very next thing to say. Uh, you want to, as they say, be an active listener for that. Um, and then last thing I would say about this, just, you know, on stating controversial opinions is not just be prepared for backlash, but be prepared for people that are not as good at communication as you yourself hopefully are in this case. Uh, because I, th this is something I could also talk about at great length is that I could take me like as a person, I could take a bunch of courses or seminars or even get a certification, if you will, on effective communication tools and expressing opinions and, and all sorts of great things, right? But that doesn't really do jack on somebody that doesn't have any understanding of that stuff. There's only so far you can really get before the walls are just going to come up. They're going to just not listen to you. Their emotions get in the way or they just interrupt you. They talk over you. And, you know, the conversation before you know it has lost any momentum that it had going into it. And it's now just completely deflated into nonsensical gibberish. <laughs> that, a statement that I actually pull from another movie uh, is this one where if I feel like the conversation has really reached its peak, meaning I, I really can't either just have it go anywhere else, not not convince somebody else, but it's just it's not going anywhere else. It is, in other words, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. I use that one still to this day, and I actually think it's very effective, not just for talking about movies. So keep that one in your back pocket next time you're trying to get out of a conversation that you realize has long reached the past of no return or it's, it's, it's past the point of no return, right? It's, it's not going to get better. Okay. Now let's, let's reverse this a little bit. Okay. Let's say me, Jordan, I'm on the receiving end of hearing somebody's controversial opinion on a movie. Well, here's what I don't think people should do. I don't think that you should be like, what? Like, you've never seen that. Or, oh, my God, you, you can't think that. Oh, my God, no, you're wrong. Oh, don't do any of that. Don't. It doesn't show respect for the person. There's zero empathy there. You're also putting yourself in a position of superiority over them. It's, it, it's, not, it's not good, okay? So respect should always be at the top of your mind on hearing somebody else's opinion. 
you know, respect the other person. They have their opinion for a reason. You might not think that they came to their opinion based off of uh, enough things that are logical or really make the most sense, but it is their opinion nonetheless. And they heard yours just like, just like you want to be able to hear theirs. So make sure that you're respectful of that. Uh, I just, I go back to listening to just actually listen, be positive about it. Be, be grateful that they're even choosing to share it with you. Cause some people are more outspoken than others. Some not maybe so much. So I'm usually grateful that somebody is even willing to share an opinion with me, even if it's one I completely am not on the same page with. Uh, I also think that you need to understand what the audience is, the person that you're talking to. So if you know it's someone that agrees with you, well, great. That's awesome. Uh, but also know that it could be a person that doesn't just like disagree because there's always going to be those that agree or disagree with you. But you could run into someone that just hasn't decided what to think about it. And they honestly just might want to hear somebody that is strong spoke, uh, strongly spoken on the subject or can maybe add something to the conversation that they previously have never been able to get. Okay. <clears throat> And then the very last thing I think that's just really important to to note when we're talking about controversial opinions on movies to people is that we shouldn't try to change the other, okay? Now, unless I'm doing a formal debate, and that is the goal, like we, we went into the conversation going like, I'm going to state this opinion, and you're going to state this, and I'm going to try to change your mind, and you're going to try to change my mind. If that's what it is and the expectation has been established from the beginning, awesome, right? That's great. But if it hasn't, it should be, the the goal should be of the conversation just to keep things open, just to keep the dialogue flowing, make sure both parties are being heard. And and at the end of the day, hopefully walk away with something that you can actually uh, noodle on. I think that's a term for that. Something that you can sit on for a while, think about. Uh, and just have it go against your own opinion because you might find that it it will further enforce your own opinion. You know, it might just back up what you already think, but it also might challenge you. It might challenge you to rethink your own position on something. And sometimes that's great because when it happens, it can help you grow. And before you know it, you might even be able to watch a movie that you used to hate. But because somebody else talked about it to you in a way that kind of clicked, with some part of you, you're able to go back at that and be like, huh, I, I never really thought about it that way. And now when I watch it under this lens, uh, suddenly this thing works for me in a way it never could before. And then that just leads you to be able to get other movies in your life. Uh, it, it broadens your, it broadens your, uh, your intake on movies, like just the the type of things that you'll watch. I think it gets you out of your comfort zone a little bit. I love watching a movie that is something I ordinarily would probably steer clear from. uh, If it's going to help me grow as a person that really watches and and appreciates movies and and champions the the art form of them, I think it's great. So it's good. It's good sometimes to run into people that have those controversial opinions and not just, you know, tell them to go away or say, oh my God, this person's opinion is so, so stupid, but I have to sit there and listen to it. I don't know. I just, I I think we gotta, we all have to collectively work at being better about this, especially, especially on the damn internet, right? I mean, I can't tell... I can't tell you guys all out there how many times I've looked at some of these like message boards out there and I see some of these freaking terrible comments that people leave each other. Just absolute nasty, terrible shit that people say to each other online. And and I get it. Not everybody's just going to take the time to, you know, go up to you face to face and say all this stuff. They do it behind a keyboard for a reason. But but still, I just like let, let's be more constructive about this, okay? I mean, like, we'll get so much more out of the conversation and for ourselves if we just actually go into things with an open mind and, and try to work on our own communication, too. Because let's face it, nobody's perfect. My own communication skills can always use work, as can yours. So we should always try to keep that in mind. And it's just going to lead to better conversations. And in this case, better conversations about movies. <clears throat> All right. I hope that <laughs> I hope that there were some nuggets in there that were worth listening to. I, I think there was. I hope that this episode didn't piss off too many of you that like the movie Elf or don't agree with what I'm saying about original movies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Uh, and I don't know, maybe it got you thinking. And, and if it got you thinking, you know, for better or worse, uh, I consider my job done here. So that's that. All right. I want to wind this podcast down by thanking everybody for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you like things like this, uh, let me know. Email the podcast. Uh, the email is at ScreenSpeakPodcast. I'm always open to new episode suggestions, trying different things out, playing around with the formula and things, getting away from just talking about one singular movie. Not that I obviously don't like doing that, but uh, the podcast is an evolving platform, so I'm willing to evolve it together if it makes sense to do so. So if you got good ideas for episodes, you want to see some guests uh, that haven't come onto the podcast, whether it be uh, friends of mine, people from the local area, or even, you know, let's think bigger than that. Hell, maybe maybe James Cameron. I did an episode on Avatar. Maybe he'll hear it somehow and be like, you know what? Uh, I'm the director of all these Avatar movies, and I'm going to give this guy in, in Iowa a shot here on his podcast. I mean, like, wouldn't that be great? Who knows? You, you never say never, right? But anyways, just let me know if you have some thoughts on that sort of thing. Um, go ahead, follow, download episodes of ScreenSpeak, hit the bell, do all that stuff that you do out there, my good listeners, to help get this thing continue to grow. And with that said, Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a happy new year and big things are coming for the podcast in 2023. And the only way that you'll find out about it is by listening in then. So take care, everyone. Happy holidays.